Sri Lanka's tournament started with the Colombo Central Bank bombing. And as big a tragedy as this was, it was also the reason that they won two games before the tournament even began, because Australia and the West Indies refused to go and play in Sri Lanka. Those two teams would go on to play one of the grittiest and cutthroat World Cup games ever. And you have to wonder if they both would have been in the same side of the draw if either of them had played in Sri Lanka. Instead, it meant that those two teams kind of punched each other out. At this point, Sri Lanka was not a very well-respected team. They were still only 14 years into their test journey. In ODIs, they had won 28% of their matches. In World Cups, that dropped to 17%. And despite playing every tournament since 1975, Sri Lanka only had four wins. The all-important win over India in 1979 that changed everything for them. In 1983, they got over the line against New Zealand at Derby when Roy Dyers pulled them over the line with three wickets in hand. In 92, they had another tough three-wicket win over South Africa when Arjuna Ranatunga carried them, and they also beat Zimbabwe in that tournament. Weirdly, the one tournament that had been played in Asia, 87, Sri Lanka did not win a game. Their best loss was against Pakistan by 15 runs. So you can imagine that this was a huge tournament. And it got more interesting when Australia and the West Indies decided not to play their matches in Sri Lanka. The ICC had declared the country safe for cricket, but those boards were not as happy. So the SLC fought for the games to be forfeit. And in truth, once the ICC said that the game should go ahead, it had to be a forfeit. This meant that the team who had won four of 24 matches in their World Cup history was 2-0 before going on the field. The tournament had not started and Sri Lanka had already qualified for the quarterfinals. Welcome to Double Century, the podcast about the history of cricket. This season we are celebrating the World Cup. We will be covering all the older tournaments. This episode, we are doing the second part of 1996, how Sri Lanka went from being a non-entity to ruling the cricket world. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is very important that you know Sri Lanka didn't qualify for the final because those two teams forfeited. The story really starts before the World Cup. In the 1995-96 Tri-Series, hosted by Australia and Sri Lanka, with the West Indies playing. It's weird how those three teams just keep coming up. But actually, that's not quite true. We need to go back further. In 1989 at the MCG, Sri Lanka were playing in an ODI, and batting at number five was Sanaf Jayasuriya. He made three. Over the next five years, he would play 39 ODIs, and his top score in them would be 34. He averaged 11, and he was striking at 69. Eventually, he started bowling, which kept him in the team, but he didn't even do that when he first started. And then in 1993, he went to Sharjah for some ODIs, and Sri Lanka threw him up the order to number three. 
He started scoring straight away. His second knock was 65 from 56 balls against a Pakistan attack that had Wasim Akram, Abdul Qadir, and Mushtaq Ahmed. So after that, Sri Lanka tried him as an opener, and you know what happens next. It didn't work at all. He made two 50s that were followed by seven single-figure scores. And his 50s also weren't all that fast. He got a year batting up the top of the order and was mostly horrendous. And then he finds himself at Bloemfontein against New Zealand in another tri-series, and the game is a washout. And it's almost never mentioned now, but in that match, Sanus Jayasuriya made 140 from 143 balls. However, he won't make another 100 for the next year and a half, but he does get a lot of fast double-figure scores. And now his bowling is much more regular. In fact, he was essentially playing as Sunil Narayan at this point. His batting was a bonus. If he made 50 off 31, which was an obscene number for that era, it was absolutely great for them. But his main skill really was in the side as that fifth bowler. Then we get to the tri-series in Australia, and Sri Lanka could not make any runs at the top. They tried Russia Mahanama, and that didn't work. They tried Chandika Hathrasinghe, also didn't go very well. And Sanath himself was having a pretty poor tournament. So the ninth match of that series, Sri Lanka do something incredible. They match him with another pinch hitter, their keeper, Ramesh Kalu with Arana. Just a natural striker of the ball. And at that stage, many teams are trying their keepers as top order players. The thought being that, yes, they were very limited, but if they got 40 runs in the power play slogging it around, you'd get a good start. Well, Kalu with Arana makes 77 from 75 balls. Then he makes 50 from nearly a runner ball against the West Indies in Perth, which is, I think, technically their spiritual home. And he makes 74 from 68 against the Aussies again. The bowlers in those games are Curtly Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Ian Bishop, Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, and Craig McDermott. It meant that Sri Lanka qualified ahead of the West Indies for that tri-series final, which in itself was absolutely huge. And then in the final, they run out their opening lineup again. Kalu with Arana doesn't make any more runs, and Jayasuriya gets some starts. Australia win the series 2-0, but they're both close games. But that isn't even the reason that that series is famous. It is known because that was the summer when Murali was called for throwing, which changed cricket forever and created a massive rift between Australia and Sri Lanka. And Sri Lanka goes straight from that to the World Cup. And they keep their double pinch hitters up at the top. And the first game that they actually get to play, Sanath and Kalu with Arana fail. But Sri Lanka beat Zimbabwe all the same. And the next match is in Delhi against India. Oh, that one short, that's four. Well, they've got the uh, fine leg up. They've decided to have one square on the boundary, and that's very well played by Kalu with Orana. One ball, one four. Well, that's short, and it's on the leg stump, so it was inviting punishment. That's another four. That's gone down to the fence, so it hasn't taken him long. A couple of boundaries in uh, three balls. Well, it's again pitched on the leg stump, and the fielder is in the circle. Oh, he's got that one over the infield. That'll be four as well. That was not really a bad delivery. It was just outside off stump, and he nonchalantly blasted it away over midwicket. Srinath would have uh, expected most batsmen to play it down towards the covers because the ball was moving away, but uh, Kalu Vitarana has decided he's picked the spot. There is that vacant spot there and he's just waited for it to come on and played it for a boundary. Well, he's got that one away, that's 4-2, it's just wide of the fuse minute point. 
Everything you just heard was in the first two overs. Sri Lanka were 20 without loss. Kalu made it to 26 from 16 balls when he was dismissed. Sanath added 79 from 76. Their middle order chased down India's decent 271 with more than an over and plenty of wickets in hand. Sri Lanka's next game was against Kenya, which we mentioned in the last episode, which is where they broke the world record. Let's listen how. Two changes to the side. And uh, Sri Lanka making the one change, bringing in Upul Chandana, who did not play against India last week. So, can I ask the crowd at the Askida Stadium? And the Sri Lankans opening with Samak Jayasuriya and Ramesh Kalavitana, being extremely successful in the Middle Hospital. And Jaisuri hits it over the top. And that's a big hit. That clears the boundary. That's six runs to Sanath Jaisuriya. Their opening partnership was 83 when Sanath was out. He'd made 44 from 27 balls. Kalu went out next from 33 from 18. But the crazy thing is that this was the last game in this World Cup where that opening partnership actually worked. For all the hype and the memories, and we're still mentioning these two as an opening partnerships, Ramesh Kalu with Arana never actually made it to double figures again in this tournament. But Sanath had one more innings in him. The quarterfinal against England. That's in the air, that's four runs. Well, that's what we're talking about. If it's up there, give it a go. Terrific bang and into space, perfectly placed. And what a menace this man is. Over the top, straight over the top. Oh, one-way traffic this. All over there. Well, this is murder. England had made a solid 235 on the back of a great runnable half-century from Phil Defreitas. And Sanath made 80 from 44 and ate their hearts out. This was a World Cup quarterfinal against the team that invented the sport, with a new side who now had six actual wins in their entire World Cup history. And Sanath Jayasuriya just obliterated England in every way. They chased down the total in 41 overs in their first ever World Cup knockout match. The next game was bigger, the semi-final, India in India. 110,000 people were reported to be there. And this is how the match started. And straight away they're off the mark. There's no one in there at mid-wicket. They'll take singles until the cows come home if they stick with this mount from the big ones. Over the wicket to the right-hander. It's in the air. It's going down to third man. It's going to be out caught. He's got in. He's out. First ball. Caught down to third man. What a start for the Indians. Kalu with Arana has been out. Oh, that's gone to third man. This could be out as well. He's got in. It's unbelievable. Jaya Saria caught a third man. Well, would you believe it? Jaya Saria is out. Caught a third man. In four balls, Sri Lanka had lost their openers. The reason everyone was talking about them. Both of them caught at deep third. It was barely believable. But the truth is that Sri Lanka wasn't just openers. They had an incredibly deep batting lineup, with Chaminda Vast, their young seamer, batting at number nine. In their 11, they would often have five players with all-round skill. 
And one of them was Aravinda de Silva. Everything that De Silva did with the bat was outshone by the next generation, especially Mahela and Kumar. And because of that, he has never received the credit that he deserves. He also was a player who could run very hot and very cold. But when he was hot, there was almost absolutely nothing like him. Outside of Javid Mindad, I don't know if there was ever another player who was born to bat at number four in ODIs the way that De Silva was. And at this point, he was 12 years into a 20-year career and just finding his peak. The Zimbabwe match, he made 91. Against Kenya, it was 141. And now India had to face him. Beautifully played. That's four. Take that. Well, that's a good shot. That's beautifully played. That's a lovely shot. This is a fast outfield. Oh, he's got that away too. That could go all the way. Just short, is it? Yes, one bounce for four. The sensible thing to do in this stage would be to rebuild. De Silva attacked. He made 66 from 47, and when he was out, the score was 85. But then the second part of Sri Lanka's strength came in. Captain Arjuna Ranatunga, Roshan Mahanama, and Hashan Tilakaratni were an incredibly dependable 5-6-7, and they took the score on to 251. India's chase was a disaster. Sachin Tendulkar was the only Indian batter to turn up. I'm sure he's out. This could be a vital wicket. It was very, very well done. He's asked for the replay. Well, everyone is having a look at the lights. The whole place has swung around. He knows he's in big trouble here. Wonderful, smart glove work by the wicketkeeper. He sets off for a single. Oh, he's gone. That was Sachin Tendulkar being stumped. But let me explain it more. The bowler was Sanus Jayasuriya, bowling his left arm orthodox in a defensive style over the wicket. It hits Tendulkar's pad and the keeper picks up the ball and stops him as Sachin takes half a step looking for a run. Oh, and that keeper, of course, was Ramesh Kaluwatharana. So yes, Jayasuriya and Kaluwatharana failed with the bat, but those pinch-inning openers still got the most important wicket when it mattered. But what happened from there is one of the most underreported moments in World Cup history. India lose 7 for 22, and then this... He's got that in the air. This is going down the ground too. This could be out. There'll be a collision. He's got him. Yes, another one. Beautifully taken in the deep. That's a fantastic catch. That's Aravinda de Silva down there. He came charging in. One of his colleagues came towards him. It looked as if there was going to be a collision down there. Looks as if uh, there's a little bit of a fire started uh, in one of the stands. The Lincolns, I can tell you, have all got themselves together. They're not about to go and stand on the boundary. That's Clive Roy, the match referee, going to speak to the umpires and the captain and players. This is a very disappointing uh, performance by these folk here in Calcutta. The Bengalis love their cricket, but they've got to learn to lose as well. Well, they look to me as if they're coming off the ground. This is uh, sensational stuff. This game is going to have to be awarded to uh, the Sri Lankans. The Indian crowd were throwing things on the ground, starting fires. And Clive Lloyd, the first World Cup winning captain, remember, as match referee, called the game off and gave it to Sri Lanka. So think about this for a minute. Coming into this tournament, Sri Lanka had four World Cup victories. And in this tournament alone, they had two forfeits. And then at the end, they had another game that was just given to them. I mean, it's worth knowing that India needed 132 runs from 15.5 overs with two wickets in hand. So the game was basically over. The crowd just made it a little bit more dramatic. So now it was Sri Lanka against the tournament favourites and their new arch nemesis, Australia. The Aussies batted first and started well. 
After 26 overs, they were 137 for one, and they were looking at a big score. Then their off-spinner took a couple of important wickets. But it wasn't Murali who was just making his name, nor even was it Kumar Dharmasena, who actually lived a full life as a World Cup winner before becoming an umpire. But the off-spinner who took wickets was Aravinda De Silva. In the air. And it's gone. He got it. The Sri Lanka needed change of bowling. A fourth spinner in the game, the top edge. Uh, not too difficult catch, just had to keep his nerve. While the bit in comfort, 137 for two. And he's bowling. A little bit of turn there, so Aravinda de Silva. Bob, well set, trying to run the ball down to third man. But it was Murali who took Warren, who would come up the order to pinch it. And there was something poetic about Murali taking Warren, because they were just at the start of their epic tussle. And also, this was only a few months after Murali's multiple chucking calls. But again, it was Jay Saria who bowled tight and made the key breakthrough of Stuart Law as the death approached. And De Silva took Ian Healy at the end to slow Australia even more. There are some who discuss this as a victory for an Asian team in Asia. And it was. But India and Pakistan were World Cup winners, and neither of them even got through to the final. Sri Lanka were not just an incredibly talented team, but incredibly well-equipped to win this World Cup in Asia. If the ball turned, they had so many options. And after the 26.1 overmark, Australia added only 104 more runs. The spinners completely stopped them, and Sri Lanka only used 13 overs of seam. Sanath ran himself out, and Kalu followed shortly after, and Sri Lanka were 23 for two. But here, Asanka Gurusinga, who often batted in sunglasses, came together with Aravinda De Silva. Oh, what a good shot. Oh, that's a good shot. He's whacked that away. He's blasted that through the offside. Again, De Silva attacked. There were points watching him bat where it doesn't seem like he even worries about the field at all. Like he knew if he hit the ball he wanted to, no player could stop it. Gurusinga was out for 65 from 99, but De Silva kept going. And he was then joined by Arjuna Ranatunga, who had a personal vendetta against the Australians and also stepped up the scoring rate. And so for all the talk of the men at the top, it was the two players with a decade of experience in the middle that did it. Arjuna scored 47 from 37 and Aravinda stayed there till the end. But it was Arjuna Ranatunga with his signature shot that won the game. Oh, beautifully played. That's a great century. A great century made when the chips were down by a fantastic batsman. So when Sri Lanka won this match, if you include the semi-final against India as a completed game, it means that in this tournament they won five matches, which is one more than they won in 1975, 79, 83, 87 and 92 combined. They also gave cricket its fifth champion in sixth editions. We still don't talk about this victory the right way. This was a team with no history of anything major in cricket or any sport. They had a major terrorist attack just as they were going to host their first major tournament. They were only a full international little more than a decade earlier. They had been using two pinch openers on a hunch and they had to fight for their off spinner to even play. And with all that happening to them, Sri Lanka became the world champion of the sport. There have been so many incredible things that have happened with cricket. But Sri Lanka winning the 1996 World Cup may be the most remarkable thing that ever happened in cricket. What a fairy tale this is turning out to be. 45.1 overs and they only need five runs. 
celebrations already uh, beginning. All the other Sri Lankan players out onto the boundary area. That's it, all the way to the boundary for four. What a victory for the Sri Lankans. A fantastic effort by them. Their players are charging out onto the ground. The Aussies shaking them by the hand. Little Moodley Dillon's arrived. What a year it's been for him. Distraught at one end of his season. And here he is now in the winning team. They've taken out the World Cup. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version that you can get via Patreon, and there are many other extras involved with being a member over there. In fact, this show would not exist if Patreon members had not helped us at the beginning and continue to support us. Cricket history does not pay, so any help you can give will be massive, and you'll find a link in the show notes to subscribe. Remember to please review, follow, tell your friends and family, and just people that you meet in parties about our show. All of that helps us grow. Double Century episodes are written by either Abhishek Mukherjee or myself, sometimes both of us. And I am Jared Kimber, and this is part of my podcast network. The podcasts are overseen by Nick McCorriston, who also edits and produces Double Century. And C.S. Chawanza is our man for social media clips. If you like the Double Century podcast, on top of subscribing and supporting us, there's actually way more content like this on the Jared Kimber YouTube page. 